Hey friends, I'm Sharon Betters and I am the host of the Help and Hope podcast produced by Mark Inc. Ministries. And if you have been listening to the podcast for any length of time, you know that our vision is to offer help and hope, especially to hurting people. And the reason that we are so passionate about offering this help and hope is because after the fatal car accident of our 16-year-old son, Mark, and his friend, Kelly, There were people who were willing to step back into their grief, who were further along in the sorrows of this world. And they were willing to step back and experience their sorrow again as they came alongside of us and reminded us that God is sovereign and we can trust Him. And God kept many of His promises through those who stepped back to help us. And we knew that we wanted to be those people to others coming behind us in life's journey. So we began sharing our story on the podcast, and then we began sharing other stories that offered that same help and hope that only Jesus can give. And so we share stories of people who have experienced really painful uh, life crises, Uh, those kinds of things that no one wants to talk about. We don't know how to talk about them. We don't know how to come alongside of those hurting people. And so in each conversation, we not only learn about what the crisis is like to live with, but how to help others who are experiencing the same thing. And that's why I'm so excited to introduce to you my guest today, Lauren Whitman. Lauren is uh, an author, and I'm gonna tell you a little bit more about her book in a moment, but she is also a faculty member at the Christian Counseling and Educational Foundation and the Dell Developmental Editor of CCEF's Journal of Biblical Counseling. And as I said, she's the author of a book and the book is called A Painful Past, Healing and Moving Forward. And as always, I hope our conversation is going to be like salty peanuts that by the end of our time together, you're gonna say, I've got to get that book because obviously we can't talk about everything in it. But Lauren is going to give us an insight on what it means to really deal with a painful past, to find a place of peace and comfort. So Lauren, thank you so much for uh, coming today, for being a part of this podcast. I know you're crazy busy, you're a mom and all those other things that you're doing. We appreciate you so much. So before we dig into our topic Tell us a little bit about your life and something that gives you joy. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me, Sharon. It's really a privilege. Um, I'm so excited to be here and get a chance to meet you, a fellow author I respect and admire. So, so, so very happy to be here. Um, So, yeah, so I live in Pennsylvania with my husband, Chad, um, and our two kids. We are originally Floridians, um, but moved up here in 2008 and really enjoy living up here. I have some family history in Pennsylvania. So in a lot of ways, it felt like coming home. All my grandparents were born here. My dad was born in Pennsylvania. My mom's from Jersey. So we're enjoying raising our kids up here. Yeah, I ended up in this area to go to seminary at Westminster Seminary, which is across the street from CCEF and was just very um, so thankful for the opportunities I've had at CCF, and so we've ended up just uh, sticking around and continuing to invest in ministry there. I mentioned my kids, and your question about what brings me joy is a sweet one. And my daughter, she's nine right now, and over the past six months, I'd I'd say her prayer life has really been developing, and so it's just brought me a lot of joy to hear her say, like, oh, I prayed for that, and like, it's coming true, and it just seems like 
she's in the sweet season or God is just like kind of answering her prayers to kind of like, you know, procure her faith. And so it's just, yeah, it's really neat for me to see, um, yeah, her developing her own faith life and prayer life with the Lord. So that that is the the top thing that comes to mind that's bringing me joy right now. That is so precious. I love hearing that. I, I just, there's nothing like the faith of a child. So what a, what a precious gift God is giving to you. Well, as we uh, switch gears and, and talk about the faith of a child, tell me why you decided to write this book, um, A Painful Past. Yeah, the first reason I'd say is personal. Um, I wasn't raised as a Christian, and that's part of why it's so fascinating to me to see faith starting to develop in a child, because I've never seen that before. So this is new to me, kind of just like, how does God, you know, procure faith in a child? So that's been sweet to watch. So yeah, but I wasn't raised as a Christian, and I came to Christ kind of suddenly and dramatically at the age of 20. Mm -hmm. So my life had this very distinct before and after. And so coming into the faith like that, I'd say I really had to wrestle with understanding my past and who I now was as this new Christian. So the matters in the book are very personal to me and ones that I have worked through over the past 20 years of being a Christian. The second reason I wrote it is because of my work as a counselor. You know, counselors have the privilege to, to meet with people and sit with them and hear their stories of hard things that have happened or that they've done. And as a Christian counselor, I have been challenged to think about how do I help others think about their story and how do we think about our stories in light of the realities of the gospel and our inheritance in Christ? You know, how does our faith lead us to interpret and make sense of our past? And those aren't philosophical questions, but ones that have real implications for how we see ourselves, how we see God, how we live today, and how we have hope for the future. So I was gripped by the significance of the topic for those reasons as well. You know, uh, Lauren, there are some people who would say uh, you're just stirring up a lot of unnecessary pain. Just let sleeping dogs lie. You know, we've made it this far. Why talk about something that happened in the past? But obviously, you don't agree with that. Why? Yeah, well, my concern is that, you know, that there is already pain from events that have happened. And pain doesn't just generally resolve on its own. So I'd seriously question how, how realistic is it to think that we can just let sleeping dogs lie? In theory, it sounds good, but I, I don't think it's realistic. So my my heart is for people to revisit their pain, not just to drudge it up for no good reason, but to face it for the sake of healing. And true healing means an encounter with the living God. You know, we need to encounter God's heart and his interpretation of what has happened, as well as his remedies for how we can move forward well, even when there's pain in our past. You know, because of how God made us, we are people who are shaped by events in our lives. And sometimes how we have been shaped by painful events brings more pain into the present. So this is just another thing I don't want for any of us. And I believe addressing the past can help the present. Well, as I, I think about that, you kind of answered my next question, but you start your book. I, I love the tender patience of your writing. I mean, you're very kind in, the, you, you just set a beautiful table that invites readers to come and sit a while and and to uh, not feel condemnation or judgment. And you start, it's a devotional book. Uh, and and frankly, I, I would see spending several days at least on each, each page on each day, but you start with the character of God 
And it seems to me that somebody reading it at first might think, wait a minute, I'm not here to talk about God's character. I need to talk about what's going on in my soul right now. So expand on that a little bit. You talked about it already, but expand on that a little bit. Why did you think it was important to start there? So yeah, the first, I think, three days of the devotional are looking at three stories from the gospel accounts of Jesus interacting with people. And before I ask people to revisit their past, which can be challenging to do, I just wanted to remind them of God's God's heart towards them and how Jesus's interactions with people reveal God's heart towards us. So recalling some stories of how Jesus interacts with broken people was an attempt to build the reader's trust that this God is for me, not against me. And in this book, the reader is going to hear God's word. They're going to wrestle with it. But similarly, before they got to that wrestling, I wanted them to hear and remember and marvel about Jesus's love for people. So it was kind of this instinctive choice on my part that before I ask people to do anything, I want the foundation of this book to be you have a God who isn't afraid to come close to hurting people. And here are some examples why you can trust him and look to him in faith because you're seeing in these stories just the gentle, accepting nature of Jesus. After the death of our son, Mark, I really wrestled with my faith. I mean, it just was I'm a Bible study teacher, pastor's wife, all those things. You would think I would have been ready, but God did not give me the gift of a cocoon of peace, which I love that he gives to some people. Their grief is just as deep as mine, but he gave me what I call the gift of wrestling. And at one point, uh, and it was pretty far into my journey, I was praying and I said, Lord, I, I just don't understand who you are. I don't know who you are anymore. And I felt as though he was nudging me to go to the book of John and to camp out in the book of John. And the message I received was, if you want to know me, get to know my son, Jesus. And so it really coincides with what you're saying, Lauren, about how getting to know our father, it really helps us to deal with those broken places. And and definitely, it is a good place to start. Uh, another friend who had lost a baby, the day the baby was supposed to be born, she had a stillborn baby and we started meeting together and we stayed on the character of God. Mm-hmm. We really built on that uh, in her heart so that the one that she was had always trusted, she was learning to trust again. So I, I really love that that's how you started. One of the things you talk about is coming close to Jesus. And I loved you said, um, we can't make Jesus unholy by coming close to him, but we, he makes us holy when we come close to him. What do you mean by that? As we're talking about the beginning of the book, you know, I shared those stories from the gospel accounts of Jesus's interaction. And so I'll just take two of those um, as an example. First was the woman with the issue of blood, and this was an illness that made her unclean in her community. And when she touches Jesus, what happens? Does she make him unclean or does he heal her? Well, he heals her, of course. And then with Zacchaeus, Jesus initiates coming to his house. And Zacchaeus is this man who is sinful and not regarded highly. Yet clearly Jesus seems unconcerned to be associated with him and does come eat with him in his home. And what happens there? Does Zacchaeus, who is a corrupted individual, does he corrupt Jesus? Of course not. Jesus forgives him and Zacchaeus repents. And so by saying Jesus makes us holy and we can't make him unholy, it's just a way to highlight this beautiful distinction between who we are and who Jesus is. You know, we we need him and he knows who we really are, that we're sinful, broken, undeserving, unclean. 
But by taking us to himself, he overcomes all of that and imputes to us his righteousness. So my hope in saying something like you can't make Jesus unholy is for the kind of people who perhaps feel unworthy to come to Jesus or too ashamed or too broken. It's saying, you know, he's not afraid of you and you're not a threat to him. So let him overwhelm you with his goodness um, because he wants to, and he wants to change those things about you that are broken because he loves you. So we don't need to hold back. You know, as you were talking about knowing God through Jesus, it's like God initiated with us. He sent his son into this world for sinners. So don't hold back from going to this God who wants you to receive the blessings and his inheritance that his son has won for us. Yes. And uh, when he he comes to us with forgiveness and what a beautiful picture when the Bible tells us that as far as the East is from the West, God has cast the sins, our sins away from him. And who can understand that? It's something you could think about for the rest of your life. And I think and never really understand what that means. But sometimes we're told that, you know, like God, we need to forgive and forget. But what does that mean? Does the Bible tell us to do that? And how would that fit with what you are encouraging us to do? Well, certainly, you know, God's people are called to forgive as we have been forgiven. So we forgive in humility because we know our own need for forgiveness. And if God did not withhold his forgiveness from me, who am I to withhold it from others? And that's the logic of the parable of the unmerciful servant, Matthew 18. And we hear it more explicitly in places like Ephesians 4.32. But I'd argue that the gospel does not have an expectation or command that we also forget. So just to clarify, I don't advocate that readers forgive and forget. It's a phrase I I steer away from. But sometimes I think it is something that people with a painful past hear from others. And I think when people offer it to others, they're doing so in a way that they're trying to be helpful. But sadly, it's not often helpful because what are you asking the person to do? It's not really clear. Does forgive and forget mean that we're expected to never remember what happened to us? Well, that's not possible. We don't have control over our memories like that. Does forgive and forget mean that we continue the relationship with the person and act like the wrong that they did against us didn't happen? Well, what if the person hasn't repented? Or what if their lack of repentance means you could be hurt again? And so you just see that the phrase kind of creates these spinoff questions that need to be considered with wisdom and nuance. And so a blanket statement like forgive and forget when offered as advice can be overly simplistic. I'm thinking of a friend who she was deeply wounded by a family member over 40 years ago. She has somehow found a way to forgive, have a relationship with these people, even though she hasn't really heard them say they are sorry, but there's still a relationship, but she doesn't have to see them that much. Mm-hmm. But she said that recently she did have to see them. And it was, she said it was, it was very painful for her. She said, I thought I had dealt with this, but I just, it just takes me back to that moment. Mm-hmm. What, so it, so would, would uh, dealing with a painful past be a one and done thing, you know, that she should look at herself and say, you're, you're better than this. You should know better. You already took care of this. What's your problem? How would you, you a quick conversation, how, you don't have much time, but how would you counsel this particular person? Yeah. A painful past is not a one and done. Absolutely not. So I would not want for people to put that expectation on themselves because then they feel maybe ashamed or bad 
that they're struggling again, or maybe they feel like disappointed, like, well, what about all the work I did? And I would say all the work you did was, was good. And, and, but pain is, you know, the, the nature of it is, is mysterious. And sometimes what I've seen is that, you know, as we change, as seasons change, you know, sometimes a different kind of aspect of the pain emerges that, you know, we couldn't have dealt with before because we were different in the, you know, in, in the past when we were, you know, maybe addressing some other aspect of, of what happened. And so, yeah, I would just want to really help that person understand, like, this is normal, like, it's hard, but it doesn't mean that, you know, your healing, you know, from that you've already done is for not. And so, yeah, let's just, you know, think about, you know, what's just happened and let's, let's deal with it. But, but it's not an occasion to feel like you failed or that the things that God has already done aren't still real in terms of your healing journey. It's just, it's just a journey. One of the things that you talk about in your book is worship and how critical it is. In fact, at the end, in your prologue, you talk about the importance of worship. And I'm thinking that would really fit. To, it would fit any time, of course, but mm-hmm. with someone who is kind of revisiting those hard places, tell me why that is so, why worship is so important for the, our own personal sake. Yeah, I think worship is, well, first of all, it's like the most human thing we can do, right? Like God created us for himself. And so it's it's something that we're, we're meant to do. God, God designed us to do. So it's, it's just helping us to like deeply get in touch with like our purpose, who we really are, and more importantly, who God really is. And I think it's helpful because when we have pain, it's, it's tempting for all of us to just kind of, you know, withdraw into our pain and for that to become consuming and and that's understandable, you know, but worship helps us to look up and out and remember there's more in life. There's more to reality. There's more to me and to what happened other than just what happened, right? And so worship just orients us to the reality of the Lord and there is someone else <laughs> in my world and let me look to him and let me learn to find comfort in him by thinking about him and focusing him on him. Um, so it's just a real gift to, you know, have someone else to think about and he's amazing. And so let's, let's think about him and, and let's, you know, experience some freedom from having to be just completely caught up in, in what has happened. Another truth, and obviously our theology is so important when we are, I mean, for all of life, whether it's in a mundane moment or a broken moment, for us, one of the greatest comforts was every day takes us closer to our eternal home, mm-hmm. to where there will be no more sorrow, no more tears. And you talk about that as well in your book. How would you say someone could focus on that without it being, well, it's, it's pie in the sky kind of thing, you know, that somebody else might say, well, okay, it's great for you to think that way, but how about the here and now? How does thinking of, of heaven, how is that really a comfort that that is for the here and now? Yeah. I mean, I think it, it absolutely is a comfort and, and, and it's a piece of what needs to happen when you're, when you have a painful past in terms of like something, a theology that you want to develop. But like you're saying, you don't want it to be like, Oh, just, you know, think about heaven. Um, 
which is to deny that like, well, but I have to live today and today's really hard. And so I don't want us as, you know, Christians to deny that no, today is hard, but it is an aspect that I want to develop along with developing an understanding. So thinking as a counselor now, an understanding of what this person has been through, what what life is like now, taking that seriously, being willing to enter into that pain so the, the person has the fellowship of I'm, you know, I have another person who's walking with me. And so, and in the midst of that, yeah, developing also that, that theology of the future and learning to take comfort in God's promises. And that's actually one of the things that the spirit kind of taught me as I was writing the book is just like, I've given you promises because I want you to have comfort, right? It's like, and so, okay, so he gave us these promises. So let's, let's practice accessing them and and receiving the comfort that he intends from them. And so that is just a deep, deep gift that the Lord's given us. But again, I would want it to be in conjunction with, you know, being willing to, you know, obviously still talk about the past and deal with the past and think about the present and the ways that we've been impacted. So it just has to be, you know, a kind of a more full orbed picture of healing. You kind of open the door to a really important question, and that is for those who are coming alongside a friend or a family member who has experienced deep sorrow, deep hurt, a painful past, is trying to deal with it. What would be some practical things that that person could do? And you kind of mentioned it in in your last remarks, but is there anything else you would say, like as a counselor to say, I need you to have a friend who Mm -hmm. does these things for you? Yeah, I think one thing that comes to mind that, you know, counselors end up becoming skilled at is kind of managing your own distress when you see people in distress, because it's like, you hear people in pain, and it's like, oh, I don't want that person to feel that way. Like, and so we kind of jump in and we try to say things because it's like hard for us to hear that. And we want to, we want to fix it. But we end up, you know, kind of saying things like forgive and forget, because, you know, we don't know what to say, but we know we feel uncomfortable. And so we try to say something. And so, yeah, so my, you know, my thought would be like, try to give that person space (laughs) to say those hard things. And that's going to make you feel uncomfortable. So expect to be uncomfortable, but don't just react out of your discomfort or your own desire to try to like, kind of take away their discomfort, like learn to sit with people and to give space for them to be in a really messy place you know, say like, you know, simpler things like, I'm so sorry. What's one thing I can pray for you right now, you know, instead of, you know, kind of jumping to solutions, because this kind of pain, it's, it's not going to respond to easy solutions, right? It's, it's, it's a journey, as we mentioned earlier. And so, yeah, just learning to be okay with like, this person isn't okay right now. And that's hard for me to see. But, you know, using your phrase from earlier, this is just, this is going to be a baby steps journey. So help me keep pace with this person when they can only take baby steps and not get, you know, so far ahead in terms of what I'm expecting from them right now. Uh, Many, many years ago, Jay Adams wrote the book, Competent to Counsel, and it was revolutionary for us. We were very young, just entering the ministry. But I remember, I think he opened the book with saying that most counseling took place over the kitchen table. And so there was the encouragement and the challenge to be prepared, you know, learn about how to come alongside someone who is hurting. And so that happens a lot. We know that. And we know that some of the counsel over the kitchen table is probably not 
really good. But let's say this person is has really been faithful to their friend and has walked with them. Maybe they read the book together, the your book, work through some of that. So you have brought the counseling through this devotional to that person who is hurting. When when do you know it's time for you to seek out a counselor along with your friend or for the friend to know it's time for us to get more help. It's time for more counseling. So I would consider more formal counseling if you are struggling with some challenging impacts today that are rooted in your past. So I mentioned this earlier, but you know, our past shape us. We know that. And that's not always for the better, sadly. So if you're at that point and you're reckoning with your past where you see how you've been impacted or shaped for the worse and feel kind of stuck, then that would be a good time to see a counselor to just kind of unpack how you've been shaped, you know, where, where what, what stuck looks like and start just connecting those dots. And from there, start to chart a new way forward together, again, taking baby steps. Um, another consideration, you know, something that I've talked about today, you know, is about the Lord is involved in our healing. And if you've heard that, and maybe that hasn't resonated with your experience, like maybe you're not sure, like, well, how do I bring my faith to bear on these details? That that would also be perhaps a good time to see a counselor, because I think a counselor could help you do that. I'll just give one more thought. I'm a counselor, so this is a question I like. So mm-hmm. forgive me for being terribly biased, but the counseling space is just so lovely because there's this imbalance in the relationship. And sometimes we really need an imbalance. You know, with friends, it's more balanced, right? Like if we get together to talk, you're going to ask me a question. I'm going to respond. I'm going to ask you a question. And that's that's good and right. But if you come to counseling and I'm your counselor, then I'm going to focus on you. I'm going to draw you out. I'm going to let you talk. I'm going to jump into your world and you don't have to think about me and my world at all. I'm not going to let you. And sometimes when we're healing, we really need a dedicated time and space to talk and talk and wrestle and pray and have someone pray for you and talk some more. So would you benefit from a space in a relationship where you don't have to be mutual? That's another consideration I would make. I love the way you put that. I've never heard it put quite that way before. I know that it's true, but that it's a beautiful way of putting it. One of the ministries that we have started is called Anchored Hope, and it's biblical counseling, and it's an online ministry. It's an online service. So if you're looking, you're thinking, maybe I do need to take another step forward, I would strongly encourage you to check out Anchored Hope Biblical Counseling, and you can find more information at marking.org. And also you could check out the counseling that's offered that Lauren offers through CCEF. And we will have all that information in the show notes. So uh, we believe in biblical counseling. And that's that's one, one thing I would really urge you to make sure that you're getting counseling that is rooted in scripture. There is a difference in biblical counseling. And we, we've heard from so many people who say it just transforms their lives when they have a biblical counselor. So highly recommend. And I love, and I love Lauren, the way that you put that. We talk about a painful past, but when we meet up with someone who it's, it's almost as though there is a, a level in a person's life and, and they're underneath that level, there is all this pain and despair and discouragement and they feel as though they can't escape their past. No matter what they do, they can't escape their past. What would you, how would you encourage that person? And I apologize to you because I know I'm asking you questions that really require their own 
show. And there's so much here. But again, listeners, uh, viewers, I would recommend that you uh, check out Lauren's book and dig in a little bit deeper. Salty peanuts, remember that salty peanuts. But but speak to that person who feels as though this is all great, but I've tried, I, I can't escape it. I get it so far and then it just all comes crashing down on me again. Yeah, I, I can relate to that feeling. I think most people who have a painful fa- past feel that way at, at points in the journey. And I would counsel this person by first not denying, you know, the impact of their past. It's like a, you were impacted. Of course you were. And and I'm so sorry that you're feeling trapped. So I'd be kind and compassionate to the suffering of this feeling of not being able to escape. I'd want to understand what does this feeling of of trapped and I can't escape, what is that, what is that like for them? You know, here are some examples from their life when that feeling is especially pronounced. So I'd want to understand really what they mean by that. Maybe I'd also explore, you know. What do you envision escape looking and feeling like? You know, what are they wanting to feel and experience that they aren't? Explore together, you know, what would it look like to be free from the past? And from there, are there any of those baby steps that we could identify together to press into that vision of what freedom would look and feel like for them in in life lived today? And we mentioned this a little earlier, but I'll come back to it briefly, just, you know, developing that biblical view of suffering, you know, that first Peter way of understanding that this world is not our home. Our home is in heaven with Christ. So let's grow in hoping and looking forward to that. But again, as I mentioned earlier, being sensitive to like, you know, not being overly simplistic, but in conjunction with sympathizing, not denying the impact, looking for those small changes and simultaneously cultivating that love and longing for the day that's coming when Christ wipes away that last tear. I just listening to you speak about unpacking some very practical things that a counselor could walk through a hurting person with. And I hope if you're that person who's feeling trapped, that even just the few words that Lauren has just spoken right now gives you hope and encouragement to seek out someone to help you unpack those different, very practical questions. Lauren, as we're wrapping up, I would love for you to speak to that person that we've just been talking about or someone who has experienced abuse or tragedy that wasn't their fault. Maybe their own mistakes have have created great sorrow and great pain. If you could just speak to that person and maybe share one or two scriptures to give them encouragement and comfort to find that peace that God has promised. As we mentioned earlier, worship is is so key and it's that that looking up, you know, I lift up my eyes to the hills, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. So, um, you know, if if you are just hanging on, it's an encouragement to to look up. You have help. You have a helper. And that helper is the most powerful person in the universe. So remember that. Treasure that. You are not on your own. You have someone who wants to help. My small group just finished reading Life Together by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And the last chapter is on community. And he speaks like very passionately about the role that we play as Christian brothers and sisters to mediate Christ's presence to one another. So that would be another encouragement. Is there is there any way to invite more brothers and sisters into what's going on to tell them, uh, I, I'm barely making it here. Can you brainstorm with me what I can do because I'm just so stuck? 
you know, would you let Christ's people mediate Christ's presence to you, his kindness, his compassion, the practical help, his grace, his mercy, because he cares. Uh, You are his child. And for you to be suffering in such a deep way is a pain to his heart. Thank you so much, Lauren. Um, It's been wonderful to talk to you. I I would love to talk to you more. And I want to highly recommend Lauren's book again, A Painful Past, Healing and Moving Forward. It's a devotional. It's bite-sized pieces. uh, But as I said earlier, I think uh, you might want to spend more than a day in each one of these pieces. There's so much that Lauren offers, so much help and hope. And she has such a kind, tender way of setting the table and inviting us to taste and see that the Lord is good. So Lauren, thank you for writing this book. And thank you so much for being a guest on the Help and Hope podcast. We're going to have a link to Lauren's book and information about how you can contact Lauren in our show notes, uh, follow up with information about counseling. We'll have a link to Anchored Hope Biblical Counseling. And we hope that you will share this podcast with others. Surely there's someone that you know who is struggling with a painful past that would be so encouraged by the words that Lauren has shared with us today. And you can go to helpandhopenow.org. That's helpandhopenow.org where you're going to find the podcast and many other free resources that offer the help and hope of Jesus. Again, I'm Sharon Betters, and you have been listening to the Help and Hope podcast. Thank you so much for joining us, and I look forward to being with you again. Thank you for listening to this Help and Hope podcast produced by Mark Inc. Ministries. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Visit markinc.org, M-A-R-K-I-N-C.org, to find additional free resources on a variety of topics. Online counseling services are also available through Anchored Hope Biblical Counseling by visiting helpandhopenow.org. That's helpandhopenow.org. Download the Help and Hope app on your mobile device. Hope is just one click away.